Chapter Twenty Two of Death World by Harry Harrison. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Greg Marguerite. Death World by Harry Harrison. Chapter Twenty Two. Jason stood to one side and watched the deadly cargo being loaded into the hold of the ship. The Pyrans were in good humor as they stowed away riot guns, grenades, and gas bombs. When the backpack atom bomb was put aboard, one of them broke into a marching song, and the others picked it up. Maybe they were happy, but the approaching carnage only filled Jason with an intense gloom. He felt that somehow he was a traitor to life. Perhaps the life-form he had found needed destroying, and perhaps it didn't. Without making the slightest attempt at conciliation, destruction would be plain murder. Kirk came out of the operations building, and the starter pumps could be heard whining inside the ship. They would leave within minutes. Jason forced himself into a foot-dragging rush and met Kirk halfway to the ship. I'm coming with you, Kirk. You owe me at least that much for finding them. Kirk hesitated, not liking the idea. This is an operational mission, he said. No room for observers, and the extra weight. And it's too late to stop us, Jason. You know that. You Pyrans are the worst liars in the universe, Jason said. We both know that ship can lift ten times the amount it's carrying today. Now, do you let me come, or forbid me without reason at all? Get aboard, Kirk said, but keep out of the way or you'll get trampled. This time, with a definite destination ahead, the flight was much faster. Meta took the ship into the stratosphere in a high ballistic arc that ended at the islands. Kirk was in the co-pilot's seat. Jason sat behind them where he could watch the screens. The landing party, twenty-five volunteers, were in the hold now with the weapons. All the screens in the ship were switched to the forward viewer. They watched the green island appear and swell, then vanish behind the flames of the braking rockets. Jockeying the ship carefully, Meta brought it down on a flat shelf near the cave mouth. Jason was ready this time for the blast of mental hatred, but it still hurt. The gunners laughed and killed gleefully as every animal on the island closed in on the ship. They were slaughtered by the thousands, and still more came. Do you have to do this? Jason asked. It's murder, carnage, just butchering those beasts like that. Self-defense, Kirk said. They attack us and they get killed. What could be simpler? Now shut up or I'll throw you out of here with them. It was a half an hour before the gunfire slackened. Animals still attacked them, but the mass assault seemed to be over. Kirk spoke into the intercom. Landing party away, and watch your step. They know we're here and will make it as hot as they can. Take the bomb into that cave and see how far back it runs. We can always blast them from the air, but it'll do no good if they're dug into solid rock. Keep your screen open. Leave the bomb and pull back at once if I tell you to. Now move. The men swarmed down the ladders and formed into open battle formation. They were soon under attack, but the beasts were picked off before they could get close. It didn't take long for the man at point to reach the cave. He had his pickup trained in front of him, and the watchers in the ship followed the advance. Big cave, Kirk grunted, slants back and down, what I was afraid of. Bomb dropped on that would just close it up, with no guarantee that anything sealed in it couldn't eventually get out. We'll have to see how far down it goes. There was enough heat in the cave now to use the infrared filters. The rock walls stood out harshly black and white as the advance continued. No signs of life since entering the cave, the officer reported. Gnawed bones at the entrance and some bat droppings. It looks like a natural cave so far. 
Step by step the advance continued, slowing as it went. Insensitive as the Pyrrans were to psi pressure, even they were aware of the blast of hatred being continuously leveled at them. Jason, back in the ship, had a headache that slowly grew worse instead of better. "'Watch out!' Kirk shouted, staring at the screen with horror. The cave was filled from wall to wall with pallid, eyeless animals. They poured from tiny side passages and seemed to literally emerge from the ground. Their front ranks dissolved in flame, but more kept pressing in. On the screen the watchers in the ship saw the cave spin dizzily as the operator fell. Pale bodies washed up and concealed the lens. "'Close ranks! Flamethrowers and gas!' Kirk bellowed into the mic. Less than half of the men were alive after that first attack. The survivors, protected by the flamethrowers, set off the gas grenades. Their sealed battle armor protected them while the section of cave filled with gas. Someone dug through the bodies of their attackers and found the pickup. "'Leave the bomb there and withdraw,' Kirk ordered. "'We've had enough losses already.' A different man stared out of the screen. The officer was dead. "'Sorry, sir,' he said, "'but it will be just as easy to push ahead as back as long as the gas grenades hold out. We're too close to pull back now.' "'That's an order,' Kirk shouted, but the man was gone from the screen and the advance continued. Chasen's fingers hurt where he had them clamped to the chair arm. He pulled them loose and massaged them. On the screen the black-and-white cave flowed steadily towards them. Minute after minute went by this way. Each time the animals attacked again, a few more gas grenades were used up. "'Something ahead looks different,' the panting voice cracked from the speaker. The narrow cave slowly opened out into a gigantic chamber. So large the roof and far walls were lost in the distance. "'What are those?' Kirk asked. "'Get a searchlight over to the right there.' The picture on the screen was fuzzy and hard to see now, dimmed by the layers of rock in between. Details couldn't be made out clearly, but it was obvious this was something unusual. "'Never saw anything quite like them before,' the speaker said. "'Looked like big plants of some kind, ten meters tall at least. Yet they're moving. Those branches, tentacles, or whatever they are, keep pointing towards us, and I get the darkest feeling in my head.' "'Blast one. See what happens,' Kirk said. The gun fired, and at the same instant an intensified wave of mental hatred rolled over the men, dropping them to the ground. They rolled in pain, blacked out, and unable to think or fight the underground beasts that poured over them in a renewed attack. In the ship, far above, Jason felt the shock to his mind and wondered how the men below could have lived through it. The others in the control room had been hit by it as well. Kirk pounded on the frame of the screen and shouted to the unhearing men below, "'Pull back!' Come back!" It was too late. The men only stirred slightly as the victorious Pyrran animals washed over them, clawing for the joints in their armor. Only one man moved, standing up and beating the creatures away with his bare hands. He stumbled a few feet and bent over the writhing mass below him. With a heave of his shoulders he pulled another man up. The man was dead, but his shoulder pack was still strapped to his back. Bloody fingers fumbled at the pack. Then both men were washed back under the wave of death. "'That was the bomb!' Kirk shouted to Meta. "'If he didn't change the setting, it's still on ten-second minimum. Get out of here!' Jason had just time to fall back on the acceleration couch before the rockets blasted. The pressure leaned on him and kept mounting. Vision blacked out, but he didn't lose consciousness. Air screamed across the hull, then the sound stopped as they left the atmosphere behind. Just as Meta cut the power, a glare of white light burst from the screens. They turned black instantly as the hull pickups burned out. 
She switched filters into place, then pressed the button that rotated new pickups into position. Far below in the boiling sea, a climbing cloud of mushroom-shaped flame filled the spot where the island had been seconds before. The three of them looked at it, silently and unmoving. Kirk recovered first. Head for home, Meta, and get operations on the screen. Twenty-five men dead, but they did their job. They knocked out those beasts, whatever they were, and ended the war. I can't think of a better way for a man to die. Meta set the orbit, then called operations. Trouble getting through, she said. I have a robot landing beam response, but no one is answering the call. A man appeared on the empty screen. He was beaded with sweat and had a harried look in his eyes. Kirk, he said, is that you? Get the ship back here at once. We need her firepower at the perimeter. All blazes broke loose a minute ago. A general attack from every side, worse than I've ever seen. What do you mean? Kirk stammered in unbelief. The war is over. We blasted them, destroyed their headquarters completely. The war is going like it has never gone before, the other snapped back. I don't know what you did, but it stirred up a stew-pot of hell here. Now stop talking and get the ship back. Kirk turned slowly to face Jason, his face pulled back in a look of raw animal savagery. You. You did this. I should have killed you the first time I saw you. I wanted to. Now I know I was right. You've been like a plague since you came here, sowing death in every direction. I knew you were wrong, yet I let your twisted words convince me. And look what has happened. First you killed Wealth, then you murdered those men in the cave. Now this attack on the perimeter. All who die there, you will have killed. Kirk advanced on Jason, step by slow step, hatred twisting his features. Jason backed away until he could retreat no further, his shoulders against the chart case. Kirk's hand lashed out, not a fighting blow, but an open slap. Though Jason rolled with it, it still battered him and stretched him full length on the floor. His arm was against the chart case, his fingers near the sealed tubes that held the jump matrices. Jason seized one of the heavy tubes with both hands and pulled it out. He swung it with all his strength into Kirk's face. It broke the skin on his cheekbone and forehead, and blood ran from the cuts, but it didn't slow or stop the big man in the slightest. His smile held no mercy as he reached down and dragged Jason to his feet. Fight back, he said. I will have that much more pleasure as I kill you. He drew back the granite fist that would tear Jason's head from his shoulders. Go ahead, Jason said, and stopped struggling. Kill me. You can do it easily. Only don't call it justice. Wealth died to save me. But the men on the island died because of your stupidity. I wanted peace and you wanted war. Now you have it. Kill me to soothe your conscience, because the truth is something you can't face up to." With a bellow of rage, Kirk drove the pile-driver fist down. Meta grabbed the arm in both her hands and hung on, pulling it aside before the blow could land. The three of them fell together, half-crushing Jason. Don't do it, she screamed. Jason didn't want those men to go down there. That was your idea. You can't kill him for that. Kirk, exploding with rage, was past hearing. He turned his attention to Meta, tearing her from him. She was a woman, and her supple strength was meager compared to his great muscles. But she was a Pyrran woman, and she did what no off-worlder could do. She slowed him for a moment, stopped the fury of his attack until he could rip her hands loose and throw her aside. It didn't take him long to do this, but it was just enough time for Jason to get to the door. Jason stumbled through and jammed shut the lock behind him. A split second after he had driven the bolt home, Kirk's weight plunged into the door. The metal screamed and bent, giving way. One hinge was torn loose and the other held by a shred of metal. It would go down on the next blow. Jason wasn't waiting for that. He hadn't stayed to see if the door would stop the raging Pyron. 
No door on the ship could stop him. Fast as possible, Jason went down the gangway. There was no safety on the ship, which meant he had to get off it. The lifeboat deck was just ahead. Ever since first seeing them, he had given a lot of thought to the lifeboats. Though he hadn't looked ahead to this situation, he knew a time might come when he would need transportation of his own. The lifeboats had seemed to be the best bet, except that Meta had told him they had no fuel. She had been right in one thing. The boat he had been in had empty tanks. He had checked. There were five other boats, though, that he hadn't examined. He had wondered about the idea of useless lifeboats and come to what he hoped was a correct conclusion. This spaceship was the only one the Pyrans had. Meta had told him once that they always had planned to buy another ship, but never did. Some other necessary war expense managed to come up first. The ship was really enough for their uses. The only difficulty lay in the fact they had to keep that ship in operation or the Pyran city was dead. Without supplies they would be wiped out in a few months. Therefore the ship's crew couldn't conceive of abandoning their ship. No matter what kind of trouble she got into, they couldn't leave her. When the ship died, so did their world. With this kind of thinking there was no need to keep the lifeboats fueled. Not all of them, at least. Though it stood to reason at least one of them held fuel for short flights that would have been wasteful for the parent ship. At this point Jason's chain of logic grew weak. Too many ifs. If they used the lifeboats at all, one of them should be fueled. If they did, it would be fueled now. And if it were fueled, which one of the six would it be? Jason had no time to go looking. He had to be right the first time. His reasoning had supplied him with an answer, the last of a long line of suppositions. If a boat were fueled, it should be the one nearest to the control cabin, the one he was diving towards now. His life depended on this string of guesses. Behind him the door went down with a crash. Kirk bellowed and leaped. Jason hurled himself through the lifeboat port with the nearest thing to a run he could manage, under the doubled gravity. With both hands he grabbed the emergency launching handle and pulled down. An alarm bell rang and the port slammed shut, literally in Kirk's face. Only his Pyrran reflexes saved him from being smashed by it. Solid fuel launchers exploded and blasted the lifeboat clear of the parent ship. Their brief acceleration slammed Jason to the deck. Then he floated as the boat went into freefall. The main drive rockets didn't fire. In that moment Jason learned what it was like to know he was dead. Without fuel the boat would drop into the jungle below, falling like a rock and blasting apart when it hit. There was no way out. Then the rockets caught, roared, and he dropped to the deck, bruising his nose. He sat up, rubbing it and grinning. There was fuel in the tanks. The delay in starting had only been part of the launching cycle, giving the lifeboat time to fall clear of the ship. Now to get it under control. He pulled himself into the pilot's seat. The altimeter had fed information to the autopilot, leveling the boat off parallel to the ground. Like all lifeboat controls, these were childishly simple, designed to be used by novices in an emergency. The autopilot could not be shut off. It rode along with the manual controls, tempering foolish piloting. Jason hauled the control wheel into a tight turn, and the autopilot gentled it into a soft curve. Through the port he could see the big ship blaring fire in a much tighter turn. Jason didn't know who was flying it or what they had in mind. He took no chances. Jamming the wheel forward into a dive, he cursed as they eased into a gentle drop. The larger ship had no such restrictions. It changed course with a violent maneuver and dived on him. The forward turret fired and an explosion at the stern rocked the little boat. This either knocked out the autopilot or shocked it into submission. 
The slow drop turned into a power dive and the jungle billowed up. Jason pulled the wheel back and there was just time to get his arms in front of his face before they hit. Thundering rockets and cracking trees ended in a great splash. Silence followed and the smoke drifted away. High above the spaceship circled hesitantly, dropping a bit as if wanting to go down and investigate, then rising again as the urgent message for aid came from the city. Loyalty won and she turned and spewed fire towards home. End of chapter 22 of Death World by Harry Harrison